and welcome to podcast number eight with me, Nigel. And me, Park. In part one of this month's podcast, we're hopping into a time machine, that'll be fun, to talk about the big films from a decade ago, from the balmy summer of 2003, when we were just twinkles in each other's eyes. Then in part two, we'll be tackling the Greta Gerwig and Noah Bombach collaboration, uh, Francis Ha, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost's The World's End, the weird documentary about Indonesian killing weirdos, what would you, like whatever, the act of killing, and we'll travel to Japan for a quick chat about Pacific Rim and The Wolverine. And then in part three, we're doing the right thing by looking at Spike Lee's list of favourite films and finally wrapping up by taking our usual look ahead to what's in store in August. Jam-packed stuff this month. So, the right thing was very clever there. I wonder did anybody pick up on that? I hope so. I hope so. I just about picked up on it. Good stuff. I'll do it again. I'll say it again. Then in part three, we're doing the right thing by looking at Spike Lee's list. Yeah, good. Anyway, here's a clip of lonely Killian Murphy to kick us all off this month. So that was a little snippet from the trailer for uh, Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later. Uh, that was one of the films that I remember from 2003. We figured it might be fun to devote a bit of time to that, simply because, uh, I don't know, it's the middle of the summer and we, it's always fun to look back Yeah, it's nice years. to have 10 years back. Yeah, and so um, in personally, for both you and I, it was just months after we had done the Leaving Cert and just before we went to college and where... Mm. It all changed, or whatever, in a weird way. Um, because you're allowed to go to the cinema whenever you want. That's basically the key point, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Got you to could go to college. Then we on a Tuesday morning, want. let's go to the cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine like a month before you did the Leaving Cert, where you'd be like, six months' time, it's going to be a, a hungover uh, Wednesday morning, and I can just go to the cinema for five quid or something before noon. Amazing. Those were um, days. Anyway, yeah, so I've already broken the rule by featuring 28 Days Later, because um, I, I saw it in the summer of 2003 on DVD, I remember it, but uh, it came out at Christmas 2002. Um, but I'm not sure if many people saw it in cinema. It really took on a whole new life for itself on, yeah. presumably, VHS. It probably didn't even get a mainstream release. I wonder if it did. Yeah, I, uh, who knows? Well, Danny Boyle, Monaghan the director of Thingy. Yeah, it hardly was in Monaghan, <laughs> Monaghan and Drogheda. Um, but anyway, um, that summer, uh, the three films I remember being excited about were... Because I still remember it because it was the summer yeah. of like, and you weren't really doing anything because you're like CAO, and then you know you're like, oh, I associate these things. So the three anyway were the Hulk. That's the Ang Lee version, the very underrated one. Um, Eric Bana was the Hulk. Yeah, first of our three Hulks that we've had. Many yeah. would say the best. No, I'm not sure anyone says he's the best. I think that's the best Hulk film. It's a very good standalone thing. But you're superhero right. nerds would probably hate it because it was too slow, and you know. Well, Doesn't yeah. Doesn't have fights in it. Yeah. So there was the Hulk, Pirates of the Caribbean, the very first one, and X2, X-Men 2. So big films. They were the kind of things that were yeah. cracking into me from reading Empire Magazine back when I was, whatever that was, 17, 18. Um, any recollections of your own? X2 is good because and that was, like Brian Singer, I thought, kind of formed the mould for which everybody else who did uh, superhero action films was kind of trying to get up to the same level as him and it'll be interesting because I think it's next year isn't it when it's it coming out in 12 his months return, time yeah. yeah to X-Men it's past seven. and past oh past. Days of Future Past yeah. the seventh X-Men film mm. I 
thing. He always wanted to direct the third one, but he was like, no, I have to go and do the Superman film. And they were like, no, we're not waiting for you. Tough yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. And then Superman didn't do very well. You feel a bit bad for him. Um, the, the funny thing is, and I also still remember seeing Pirates of the Caribbean. I think it came out maybe the couple of days before Leaving Cert Results or something came out. Mm. And um, it's a br- that first one, if you can take everything away from all the crappy, bloated sequels, that first film really stands up. Yeah. And no one thought it was going to be any, any good because it was a film about a theme park ride. And yeah, everybody was nightmares about it. But I think it's still pretty decent. It is decent. I would embrace seeing it on television at six o'clock on Network Two on a Saturday. Because it was still Johnny Depp novelty doing stupid. He's a character. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but it was it one of the first times. Yeah, it was thing. before Johnny Depp just couldn't play himself. Um, yeah. In his in-between things. So um, that was it. Also out. I'm going to give you a bit of a list if you want to shout at yeah. me because I've written down a list. Um, Finding Nemo. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, We've got good. the sequel, which I can't remember. I what find the that fuck fil- film really depressing. Or no, it was kind of like quite emotional or something. Because when kids go to see it, they're like, "Oh, it's about a fish." But you're watching it, it was like the fish is kind of disabled because it has a wonky arm. Its mum's dead, and the dad is really overprotective of it. And then it gets lost, so the dad's freaking out about it. Yeah. And it's about parents leaving home and everything. You're kind of, there's an awful lot going on in that And the film. worry of kids m- mm. getting lost and worrying and everything. Yeah, so I think there's another, there's a sequel to it. What's fun actually to look at is just how many of these big franchise films are still yeah. on the go. So we talked about the Hulk. It had another Hulk film and then the Avengers and then we're going to get another Avengers in two years. Pirates of the Caribbean, I think we're getting the fifth one. Oh yeah, because is that right? It was this the one a couple the of years ago was, was the the first of a new three. I think he signed a deal possibly. Oh gosh, and or then, it had vampire mermaids. And then we've yeah X Men, and then so Finding Nemo will have a new one. Um, yeah. Tomb Raider came out that year. I don't know if I didn't. I think I only saw it maybe three years ago on TV. Probably the first one, right? Yeah. It was good again, but it's interesting. Angelina Jolie. She was a very different kind of a um, yeah an actress back then, and they figured she'd be this action uh, star. I guess she was in that film Salt last year, which not yeah. a whole lot of people made. So maybe she likes to do a bit of action on the side now. She's great, Angelina. Um, anyway, and then that summer, um, one of the last big, big, big money making things from Jim Carrey, Bruce Almighty. Yeah, Did you see Bruce Almighty. Not in the cinema, no. Yeah. Um, the Matrix Reloaded came out at the tail end of that summer. Saw that in the cinema with my sister and dad and made them stay to the end because they had a bid for the next film. How did you know there was a bit for the next one? Someone had told it. Yeah, that's what, like nowadays you'd see a tweet. I'm always yeah, intrigued by yeah. how things were different. Someone then. I think in a review had said it, so I made my dad and sister, and of course the lights were coming on and everyone was leaving, but there was a couple of other hardcore nerds who like knew yeah. And then the like it was, was like it? A tra- it was like a trailer for the next film. Were kinda. the twins in it? Those guys with the dreads, possibly. Oh no! I think it actually was a sh- a bit from the fight, wasn't it? In the rain. Or it was something. cool anyway. I, I think remember. it was like the first time where I'd stayed, or like there's something at the end of the film. Yeah, because you wouldn't know. Maybe we missed all that in the nineties. We just didn't <laughs> yeah. stuff had the end of things. Because now it's kind of ten a penny. You like it's become the thing with the superhero things that you wait till the end of Wolverine. Or yeah, you wait there's till one the at the end, end of Wolverine. Or yeah, it's not even at the end now. They kind of just do it after about two minutes of the fancy credits before doing the... But I think that thing with The Matrix was you had to sit through ten minutes Oh yeah, super, super slow. Oh, cool. There's the best boy, Gaffer. Yeah. Um, Duct tape, man. Very good. Um, What else did I write down? So Matrix Reloaded. Old school. I watched this a couple of months ago for the first time. Ah! Which is kind of embarrassing that I hadn't seen it. Um, And... uh, Pretty decent. It does hold up and... You realise how influential it was and just how so many people in it haven't really lived up to the 
sort of success or what they kind of thing. Will Farrell seems to be the only person to come out of these things. Yeah, who uh, who's done that. and yet he we're, we'll talk about the internship for a few minutes at the in the midway through this, but he's in it and he's almost like a bit of a parody of the guy he was in ah, okay. old school and wedding crashers and it's pretty pretty weird, kind of sad. Um later on at the tail end of the summer, um possibly the best of all these films, Kill Bill Volume 1. Pretty sure we went to see that in Santry. I think that may have been a DCU by the time we made to college films. Yeah. So that must have been October or November. Elephant we saw in the IFI. Are you I'm, sneaking a look at my list? Yeah. yeah. I'm sticking that in though because I remember I have a freakish memory for certain things and we went to see the elephant in the IFI and there was an old guy in it and there's loads of shots in the film where there's like bad weather and this old guy is up the front and he's been like talking really loudly being like oh old weather yeah very Shakespearean you know foreboding it's like we all get the metaphor just shut up and watch the film I do remember that it was Gus Van Sant wasn't it and yeah. I think he remember it was like oh yeah Van Sant is really making his point there yeah um, and I do remember that that was a bit uh, a bit weird more than anything um, but was it yeah like this was uh, here's the other funny thing we're putting together this list of big films from 03 I knew the films that I could remember as I said the Hulk Pirates of the Caribbean but then the smaller ones mm. we may not have seen these for like six to nine months like so many of these things and it's really hard to work there's no easy way to find out when they came out in Ireland but what yeah. we have seen in the past decade is uh, other than stuff like reviews coming in like you, we never would have known when a film came out in America because you, we weren't reading Variety magazine or the Hollywood Reporter whereas now you might check out yeah. online you're reading a review of uh, stuff that comes out in, in America now but like back then like the thing is now we are aware of that but back then when it came, showed up in the RT guide when it was in Empire mm. when it you know when it showed up there that's when we knew we could see it and stuff and it didn't matter if it came out a year ago in America and your cousin said oh yeah I saw that a year ago on a plane and you're like god whatever um, what else did you have did you write that in that sound um, Old Boy came out in 2003 which is an interesting uh, one because the remake that Spike Lee has done is coming out in December of this year so Ten years later, kind of thing. Yeah, like it's mm. it's amazing. And even wasn't there that talk to rewind a little bit about there being a Kill Bill prequel for years that they're eventually going to go to that too. Maybe not a prequel. I think they were maybe going to do a one after. Oh, I heard the two young, the two daughters. Oh yes, yeah, so maybe knowing Tarantino, he's probably waiting for them to get old enough to play the same yeah. characters to the point where it's legal. What else did we write down? Uh, Lost in Translation, it's kind of an Oscar. It's probably the one that has endured us the most, uh, Yeah. I guess, classic. This is an Lord of the Rings came to an end with Return of the King. Oh, yeah, that was 03, Christmas 03. I think that was my birthday. Yep. I saw it. 21 Grams, Naomi Watson, her giant nipples. Here's another freaky thing. You went to see that in Dundalk, but the cinema broke, or Drogheda, and then you had to go see it again. That's right, Return of the King. <laughs> Set forward the cinema encyclopedia. Cool. Yeah, very good. So, I mean, I the, wanna, thing, the point sorry, you're yeah. making, I think, or, the, or like, I think the point we would make is the, when you look at the biggest films from that year, like when we look at the biggest films from this year, most of them are crap. But I would argue that there's not as many. These are the highest earning. We've talked about oh, nearly always, the highest earning. Yeah. And some of them, okay, Tomb Raider is a little bit of a turkey, but like... The rest of the other big ones, there was nothing that bad. I think Legally Blonde 2 made a whole shitload of money and didn't yeah. do anything. But the other big films that year, whereas you compare that to now, where like I've massive problems with the fact that Man of Steel has made all of this ridiculous money. And, and Pacific Rim is probably going to go on to make a billion. Pacific Rim, I think, is doing okay too, but we'll chat about that in a while. 
Um, so that was it. Yeah, the last one that uh, I remember when I was looking through these, uh, for some reason, some guy mentioned, I was on a forum post um, from to the end of uh, some nerd geek... It, uh, forum and they were talking about the best films that they'd seen in 2003 and some guy was talking about American Splendor and um, I was like oh can't believe that's 10 years old that I view it as something I would have said that was only 5 or 6 years old but um, Paul Giamatti is in it and um, I've even gone and gotten a little bit of a clip from it I was tired of my life. Hey, Toby. No, you can't have any of my White Castle hamburgers, so please don't even ask. Yeah, can I have a fry? Okay, but just a couple, Harvey. I'm not going to be eating dinner until very late, and this has got to hold me over. Yeah, what do you got, church function? No, I'm driving to Toledo to see a movie. Would you like to come? Well, uh, nah, you know, I gotta, I gotta go to Delaware tonight. I'm getting married. Oh, yeah. why Delaware? Well, you know, the chick I'm marrying is uh, from Wilmington. You know, plus I got to help her move her stuff back here. Why are you driving to Toledo to see a movie, Tom? It's not playing at the Maple Town. Okay. I didn't know you had a girlfriend hired me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We met last week. So there you go. Have you seen American Splendor? Yeah, I liked the character Robert Crumb. Uh, he was kind of Paul G. Matty's mate and he was very famous for Fritz the Cat. It was like a 70s black exploitation animation film almost. It was very weird. And there's the kind of dynamic how Robert's much bigger and more popular. And Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It is good. I'd like to see it again, I think. Yeah. Um. If that so happens, I think that's more or less everything from two thousand and three. We still have war room for one more film, though. Here's a clip to see if you know what it is. Hi. Can I help you? Yeah. Can I have a dozen red roses, please? Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. Here you go. That's me. How much is it? It'll be eighteen dollars. Go. Keep the change. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. 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 Yeah, so The Room came out in 2003. I didn't become aware of this film until about two years ago, I would say. And it's regarded as one of the worst films ever made, which is pretty true. <laughs> um, it's very funny, though. Borderline softcore pornography in some parts. Very weird. And The Sugar Club used to do a night. I think they still do it, maybe. But I don't hear too many people going to it, where they would show the film Once and some bad trailers. and yeah. It has become a cult classic all of its own. Um it took it's funny though as in these things they have a life we're at the um, the Cornetto trilogy people if you like uh, the Q&A and they were just talking about uh, so it was Nick Frost Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright talking about films and they, they someone asked Edgar Wright about Space? No No not Space the Pilgrim? one Yeah yeah. oh yeah Scott, Scott Pilgrim versus the world that was it couldn't remember and um He's like, yeah, it didn't make much money, but I've been to these cult like screenings, midnight screenings, yeah, and it's taken on a whole a life of its own. And then, would you rather make a film like that or something that people go and see, like you know, once but they're like never Tomb see Raider, it again. yeah, and you'll never go and see it again. It's a one off, and you're just like, yeah, cool, whatever. Um, and so I think the the thing is, you need time for these things to kind of turn into cult things. So who knows? Maybe in ten years' time, we'll be going to um, Fast uh, Six. A fast six, yeah, it could be. You know, it could be the case. You never know. Uh, anyway, that's the end of part one. Here's some uh, clever, sexy music from producer Colin. <laughs>
this one moment. It's, it's what I want in a relationship, which might explain why I'm single now. Ha ha. <laughs> it's, um, it's kind of hard to... It's that thing when you're with someone and you love them and they know it and they love you and you know it, but it's a party and you're both talking to other people and you're laughing and shining and you look across the room and catch each other's eyes, but, but not because you're possessive or it's precisely sexual, but because that is your person in this life. And it's funny and sad, but only because this life will end and it's the secret world that exists right there in public, unnoticed, that no one else knows about. It's sort of like how they say that um, other dimensions exist all around us, but we don't have the ability to perceive them. That's, that's what I want out of a relationship. So that was a clip from Francis Ha, which stars Greta Gerwig, and it was written by Greta Gerwig along with Noah Bambach, who directed the film. This year, not 03. No, yes, we're now in We've 2013. Now, we're in present day. Okay, We've have come to back be an adult. Oh. To the future. We're back to the future. Um, yeah, so it's the first time they've collaborated together, um, writing-wise. They both, uh, she starred in Greenberg. Um, which Noah directed. Um, so yeah, basically is about Francis, who is uh, not so much failed a trying dancer, who um, you don't really know if she's any good. You just kind of see her flailing around in the background, but um, she's she not. She tries. I yeah, think. she's not really making it, which becomes evident throughout the film. Then her friend uh, Sophie, who's played by Mickey Summer, ditches her, and then she has to go and live with a couple of lads, and it's just kind of all this other crap kind of keeps happening to her nothing too serious but you know it's stuff isn't going her way so it's her trying to come to terms with that yeah basically a story of being in your late 20s and nothing working out and everything yeah, being a mess yeah and everyone around you seems to be getting their life together and it not working out entirely well for you you know yeah my yeah like i said in the review uh one of my favorite things is to go she goes to paris for a couple of days and classic thing is usually oh Paris is amazing you love like there's the Arc Triumph there's the Eiffel Tower blah 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 she's a terrible time there she sleeps for most of it she is she tries to meet up with loads of friends doesn't happen and then she comes home and the friends are like oh we didn't get your phone call yeah come meet us it'll be great I was like that is and brilliant she's in the taxi yeah. yeah I did enjoy that because she lay down and you could see the digital clock radio and you're like she's going to wake up it's going to be five o'clock and that was it and yeah. um, we did and what I liked about that little snippet um, the music throughout most of the film was all these nice kind of Woody Allen style um, little kind of jazzy classically bits of music like nicely scored yeah. and then when she's in Paris I think it's is it Hot Chocolate? Everyone's a winner? Yeah that was brilliant and they also have Modern Love by David Bowie which works really well Yeah, really good music choice in it Yeah. so it is going to draw comparisons to Woody Allen um, it's in black and white it's in New York it's kind of a comedy about relationships type thing so but it's very much its own film it's very funny very very enjoyable yeah yeah because it feels what I think you said it as well and lots of people saying this that like the the fact they have iPhones is about the only thing that sets it in the current day 
because of the way it's shot, uh, yeah. it just feels like it could be old. Like they're wearing, you know, trendy hipster clothes, which have kind of been mm. like we're almost not so far. If she'd come out wearing the thing that um, Diane Keaton wears in Annie Hall, the little waistcoat and jacket, you'd be, you wouldn't really blink. No, because you know, that's yeah. almost cool. Again, and I do think the black and white is important. I was reading Camilla Long's piece and she says it's pointless and it doesn't work, but it, it adds a specialness to it. And Noah Baumbach was saying that it gives it an instant nostalgia which is what you want for the whole film. It does. It's a very kind of sweet, nostalgic looking. Yeah, and we're kind of sick almost of seeing New York look good in colour. That it was kind of nice to have it go back. Mm. Um, it will draw comparison as well as there, as you say, to girls as well, I think. And yeah. especially because... Um, Adam... Oh, Adam Driver Driver's in it. In it yeah. You know, maybe they could have got someone else. He's but in it less. Yeah, it was weird that they featured him in the trailer, but I guess it was kind of... Because he's not really in it all that much. And mm. they, they could have done... What what I liked, and we're not really ruining it like by saying too much, but um, it's a story about someone in their late twenties, and the real central romance I took it isn't really about her looking for love from a dude. It's actually looking. It's the romance of her and her friend, so okay, that's yeah. the central thing, and that's very often what it's like in your late twenties. That it's about protecting the friends that you've kind of built up, and she loves talking about her friend. Uh, What's Mickey, so- Mickey Summer's name? Mickey Summer. Rebecca. Sophie. Sophie. Oh, yeah. She's talking about Sophie. Oh, yeah. We're the same person. And then someone's like, oh, this is Sophie. He's moving to Japan. And she's like, oh, I hadn't. Oh, yeah, um, I guess. And that kind of stuff happens if you if you haven't talked to someone in a while or something, if you're drifting and all that. So um, it's really good. What uh, do you give it out of five? I settled for four. I went for four. I went for a four and a half, I think. Yeah. Really did love it. The, yeah. And it's the kind of thing you would watch it again. Yeah, you'll definitely watch it again because there are loads of brilliant one-liners in it. Yeah. Um, that you, you, and yeah. it's her. It's all about Greta Gerwig. Totally. Like, I mean, I think I read that they are working on something else. They're dating, like, so maybe they're when they say we're working on something else, that just means they're... Dinner. They're, well, I was going to say riding, but um, sure, dinner. Uh, right. <laughs> our next... Anyway, our next film. Our next one is uh, The World's End. Uh, so we'll spin an old clip. This is some guys talking about boozing. Have you got any plans for dinner at all? Tonight, we will be partaking of a liquid repast as we wend our way up the Golden Mile, commencing with an inaugural tankard in the first post, then onto the old familiar, the famous cock, the cross hands, the good companions, the trusty servant, the two-headed dog, the mermaid, the beehive, the king's head, and the hole in the wall for a measure of the same, all before the last bittersweet pint in that most fateful terminus, the world's end. Leave a light on, good lady, for though we may return with a twinkle in our eyes, we will in truth be blind. Drunk. So that was our man Simon Pegg uh, checking into the um, into the hotel of, in Newtown Haven, which is uh, I guess we all know at the stage the world's end. It was it's a story of a group of guys in their early forties, I guess. Yeah, mid thirties probably. Mid- well, it was twenty years ago. Yeah, late thirties, approaching forty. Gone yes. back to their uh, old hometown to try and complete a pub crawl that they'd attempted. Uh, on the last day of secondary school and each of the five have gone on well in life apart from um, Simon Pegg's character who has really kind of struggled to move on and it's slowly revealed in the film um, that he you know he's there is quite drug, an, drug an, problems. an emotional dark, core yeah. to it which is weird it kind of jars a bit with the central theme yeah. because like Shaun of the Dead is it's just like hardcore horror. It's just like, you know, here it is. Funny, funny. It is with a romance there, though. When yeah. you watch it again now, you're like, he really just wants to look out for his uh, mm. for his girl. But but there's a big bromance in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. As yeah. in all of them. Hot Fuzz for me was like, 
it was trying to be a buddy cop movie and a Wicker Man pastiche, so it was too long. Mm. And this one seems to be it's the emotional core kind of jars with it or something, and it's kind of like an invasion of the body snatchers type film. They go back to the town, everybody's acting weird, and then they realize they're robots. Yeah, which did you know that that was kind of? Well, I did know that there were robots, but I knew they were kind of because I'd avoided a lot of trailers, and I was like, oh, something's up in the town. Yeah, I guess they're weird, but then he kind of punches him and his head comes off and it's all blue blood and it's like oh okay and I I don't really think that that part of it worked all that well like because I know they needed what half of the film yeah well as in <laughs> no just even what the aliens were and the whole point of it and yeah it's as if they because they, they got the other stuff right like well I first. think that ones have been saying that the aliens and that they're blue blood it's a metaphor for the conservatives and there's a there's a bit in the film where the crazy guy talks to your man and was like, oh, do you remember when the comet came in the early 90s when you finished drinking? So it's how the conservatives have been laying low while new labour has been coming up to the fore. Um. And now they're infiltrating all these people and it's kind of they're getting rid of all the bad elements of society. They want everybody to be the same and proper and... He's kind of denied that, but I think it's it is you can take that from it. You could read it that way, yeah. It's possible. Like I mean, what what I would say is that the Peg Frost and Wright presumably spend a hell of a lot of time now in America. Yeah, and so I suppose for them to have committed to this trilogy a couple of years ago may have kind of been a bit crippling, and they may have just wanted to get the bloody thing. It's too the finished. ending. For, it's very good. It's very funny at times. The ending for me is too daft and overdrawn. And then it becomes too comic booky at the very end when it wraps up Simon yeah. Pegg's character. You're like, this is just stupid. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how it'll hold up. So, like, because you could watch Shaun of the Dead tomorrow and yeah. it'd be brilliant. Hot Fuzz, happy to watch it again. Very good, yeah. But I don't right think this now, is the weakest of the three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Like, so thank God there's not a fourth part. Yes. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm give, I am I went, I think, three and a half. I'd maybe give it about three. three. Yeah, yeah, maybe three and a half. Whereas, you know, Hot Fuzz 4, Shaun of the Dead 5. Mm. The Space, are we giving it six? Is that the... Probably. Probably. Um. So who knows what they'll... Like, I think the thing would be great now if they did take a bit of time. I think Edgar Wright is going to do Ant-Man. This is his next film. Yeah, he he has... Uh, which is part of the Marvel universe, isn't it? Event, or, no. The, or no, part of the DC universe. Oh, we're The Justice League. The Justice Ant-Man League apparently needs, is part yeah, of that. Yeah. Yeah. We're really displaying our geek credentials here. It's all a We really bit need hard. to get a comic man on staff or woman. I I used to be sort of tuned in on these things, but I looked at everything from Comic Con um two weeks ago. I used to love everything that happened reading that about seems it. Those have turned into T V shows more so, no? It's T V shows, but also everything in films is like, oh we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Like they're really reaching a point where it's just getting really tired and you're not really caring as much. And yeah, the TV side of stuff is far more interesting because the t- like the movie stuff, like a lot of big things don't even go now. Like, so The Hobbit, they didn't have anything for it and anything. But uh, anyway, um, what else did you see this month that you'd like to talk about? Possibly it'll definitely feature on many end of year lists for best film of the year. It's called The Act of Killing. Um and it's the documentary. Yeah, it's set in Indonesia, or it's about. Is it subtitled? Yeah, you have God, to do a bit of reading. Wouldn't wouldn't be able to handle that. So, uh, back in nineteen sixty five, the Indonesian government was overthrown, and it was basically overthrown by a bunch of gangsters and kind of death squad people. So, if you're a communist, and a communist was a very loose term, by if you didn't agree with the other people, you were a communist, <laughs> and were sentenced to death. 
So it's uh, Joshua Oppenheimer um, has gone back because that government is still in power. So all these guys are still going around and they're almost like celebrities in the area. They're pop stars, I think, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And he approached some of the characters and the main character is Anwar Congo to document what they carried out and the atrocities they did in the form of a film. So they're very much influenced by... There was a thing that they don't mention directly. Maybe they would have gotten in trouble. But it's really obvious that he saw Goodfellas. And there's a scene in Goodfellas where I think... No, it wasn't Samuel L. Jackson's character. There's a person they kill in Goodfellas in a car. And the way they do it is they put a piece of wire around his neck Mm. and pull it. Oh, pull it back. Yeah. yeah. So I really... Actually, it might have been too early for him to see that. But it really seems like he did. And this is how he carried out killing people. Um, so it's kind of following him and then he comes up with these different films it's like a gangster film and there's a very weird musical type element into it as well did you see the act kill mm-hmm. yeah what did yeah, you I make did. of it I uh, yeah no I did really like it I thought it was so weird though like um, you're just like these guys have no you, you expect them to have a little remorse there's one guy who seems a little bit more conscious can't remember his name but he knows he, he's, he's an absolute sociopath though is that the guy in the shopping center yeah yeah because he kind of he admits they did all the stuff yeah but it doesn't bother him in any way he just kind of see a little remorse no i no? i think he's terrifying because there's a bit like where he's in the mall and he's just texting on his phone yeah. and his wife and daughter are there and you're like your father has responsible for thousands of people's mm. deaths and they're the ones who did the photo shoot. Yeah. Well, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the scariest thing. It is a horror film in its in, own way. Like, there's a bit where they do a where whole TV, a TV episode, and it's like something that Oliver Stone has done, like a pastiche from Natural Born Killers. Yeah. But this is actually taking place on their national television show. It's, it's insane. Towards the end, there's a bit of... Some people think the very end is kind of fake or they wonder if Anwar is genuine because he does kind of break down. Mm. I thought it was genuine. I I thought I did think so as well. But again, these guys are actually mental. So they Mm. could have been playing up. I wouldn't I I don't think the director was um, would have been responsible for setting up anything. though. He seems to have been intent on making a strange film, but a completely truthful. It's just a question of thing. Is the person actually sorry or is it the sociopath thing where like, well, I'm supposed to be sorry and look sad for this. So I'll act like that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's fantastic. It's one of the most surreal films you'll see this year, but it's also incredibly terrifying to sit yeah. through yeah it took a long time I think it played uh, festivals la- like last summer and stuff and yet again it seemed to take ages to make it over here the lighthouse is the only um, cinema in Dublin showing it yeah I th- may still be there in these couple of days you could it? get maybe the odd screen yeah. if you can do go see it yeah. it's fantastic yeah and there is an extended um, cut that has shown up online but I think it's um, I, I recommend finding it in the cinema yeah there's a director's the cut cinema. that played at the Galway Film Fla as well yeah, and um, there's a couple of versions, but I think the um, I think you should try and see this on the big screen because it's so bloody weird. Yeah, if you can. Um, yeah. So the last one uh, in our list of July excitement to discuss is uh, the double header, but I guess of uh, Pacific Rim and uh, the Wolverine. So you saw Pacific Rim, and uh, I'm not even going to play a clip because it's so hard to find a clip. Um, you saw it didn't like it I saw it did like it so I saw it and my defense of it is that it's 
I'd review it in the way and think of it in the way that you th you're thinking about uh, like a theme park ride. Like I saw it in the big, big IMAX screen with my big glasses and had a big tankard of Coca-Cola on, on the IV. And I just thought it was exciting from beginning to end. Um, and again, I am capable of putting aside the character stuff. But I really did. I was really reminded of Avatar in it, in the way that you're taken into this really weird immersive world that you'd never want to read that script like the script is is appalling the characters are pretty bad the actors are doing a job let's put it that way um with the guy in particular i think his name is charlie Hun hunnam or hunman or something he plays rally rally he looked like uh and he looks like Sam pleasure's Bird. brother no he just looks like someone like a, a, a cardboard cutout of, of, of someone. Yeah. So he reminded me of the way Sam Worthington was, where with Avatar, they kept all their money um, for the visual effects and then yeah. got some kind of slightly unknown uh, actors could afford one or two supporting yeah. people. So we, we got Sigourney Weaver and then in this we got uh, Idris Elba. But um, I did really enjoy it. I thought it was great. And I do enjoy I thought the, the monsters were brilliant. And um, there's just some damn cool moments. Like I would never want to watch this on my phone or on even on TV or anything. But I think he created this really good world. And then you don't know if you get a bit uh, confused by everything because you're you're thinking even the supporting characters are really funny because Charlie Day is in it and um, him and this other guy are they're really kind of cliche. But I thought they were hilarious. But you didn't like them either. No, it's for me. I didn't see it in three D or IMAX, so I just saw mm. it in which was a conscious effort, 2D. which I admire you to yeah. make, for making as a as a testing. Uh, so it was. Re I just found it so boring. After about twenty minutes, I was like, "Oh God, I can't sit through the rest of this." Uh, there's no. The story is minimal. There, the, the acting is atrocious. No, nobody can act in this film. It, like uh, Idris Elba is token black guy. He's just screaming and roaring and shouting. <laughs> The dialogue is terrible. It's like a video game. And, you know, you can't... So many reviews have been like... But it's a well, if it's you don't like script and acting and, you know, a good storyline... And characters, yeah. And characters. This is brilliant. This is right up your alley. Yeah, yeah. But that's not a film. And, no, it's just... I, but it is... Yeah, I, 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 I agree. But And yet I'd still defend it on that basis because it's kind of like the language in it it's a kids film more than anything and he he made it um, Guillermo del Toro came out and said this is the youngest film he's ever done because um, like Hellboy and Hellboy 2 are quite mainstream blockbustery type things but there's a huge they're really they're pretty heavy to kind of and like the action for me as well to go back to that though is it's really slow because they do this thing where it's two people again that's really stupid and doesn't make sense why is there two people the storyline's really predictable it's stupid but it's the same as Avatar you so just they buy do, into this they do this thing joint of... thing where they hit someone so it cuts to robot about to hit dinosaur cuts to inside two humans making a punch swing cuts to outside robot doing the big lunge swing and hits the dinosaur there's also ma don't go see this film so I'm going to spoil something the plot device go and see towards the end <laughs> not, who cares? is that they can't get through the crater unless they're holding on to a dinosaur yoke right mm -hmm. how Into do they the get back world. up then because the two of them go down and then they just pop back up through that hole without a dinosaur they kind of released it or let go of it and it floated down and they just jet out or something yeah but I how, don't know. they could seen a lot I did realise that like we had that last year in um, in the Avengers the whole like oh gotta go through this hole thing and this sacrifice and then uh, 
and stuff. So um, it's pretty. The side effect, the, the side character as well weren't funny. Ron Perlman's in it as uh, the Chinese. Do you not guy. like him? No, that was stupid. Did he, you get the the post credits bit where he climbed out of the um of the of the um what was it? Yeah, he was in. He remember he was eaten. Yes. In it, and so the bit after the, the initial credits thing is just him. They they show the bit the baby um alien thing, and then this knife spikes through, and he pulls it down. And he comes down, and says something like. Oh, my shoes are wrecked. And then uh, that was it. Hilarious that pretty much stuff. sums the film up. Oh, pretty much, yeah. But he, they did have a bit of fun. And I just think it was unfortunate the way it was marketed to be a more serious thing because it really wasn't. It was a kid's film. Yeah. Like this This is in more like putting an episode of the Power Rangers. Um, but I don't know how people are so against transformers and films like that but they seem to be defending this because they are i don't mean you i mean in other circles yeah well the first people are very fearful when the first transformers film came people were quite positive about it so i think with anything like this but there's no difference to me between this and like transformers 2 and 3 and it's really damaging film in general like but it's original it's original at least ish it's not based on a uh, like a story <laughs> yeah it has no story he's but in. it's really damaging like because they're gonna it's probably made a ton of money so they'll go and make Pacific Rim 2 and that means 10 independent kind of films aren't gonna get made now because people will still go see this shite oh dear Um, but what do the kids go to like the kids can't go to Francis High you know we gotta have good films for them you saw Monsters Inc and it was crap but was it better than this yeah if you were nine years old which would you rather see Monsters University well Despicable Me too. apparently is brilliant I haven't seen that yet so go see that mm. yeah so the other one so Pacific Rim was great at showing a uh, bit of Asian society in a really cliched way as was uh, The Wolverine which came out at the weekend which you haven't seen yet right no great so I can just lie about it yeah you won't pick me up uh, producer Colin has seen the Wolverine though, and uh, he, producer Colin spent some time in Japan. He likes it got, too. Should we get producer Colin to give us? No, we're not allowed to. He's mute. How would he? Oh, how would, how would yeah. a mute speak on the radio? Um, anyway, so it's really good. What I I've been looking forward to this for ages. Right after the X Men, even before that stupid X Men Origins Wolverine film with Charlie from Lost. Does anyone even remember it? No, it was terrible. Anyway, no, I remember the sideburns and mutton chops in it. Yeah, it was. <laughs> It was bad anyway. So uh, even when they were doing this, they were like, oh yeah, but we want to bring him to Japan because this is the thing with the with the Wolverine character that so much of his... Yeah, uh, I the saw the trailer and it doesn't it. make sense to me because it looks like in the trailer that he goes back to World War Two, Which is really... Conv- he So he doesn't age, which really doesn't help. And so the beginning of it is uh, When World was his War body II. done with adamantium? Uh, in the... 20s or 30s or something oh was it I thought that was done like damn, around the we, Vietnam time we should have concentrated during X-Men Origins damn I thought it was during I don't know so yeah okay maybe it does make perfect Again, sense our comic book thing yeah I don't know but anyway like the thing with it is that he, him spending time in Japan was a huge thing because he was there during World War 2 at Nakasaki and protects this guy and then goes back to kind of uh, years the later from Die Hard um, no the second atomic bomb Oh, right. oh, not dear. Nakatomi Plaza sorry. not the Nakatomi Nakasagi. Plaza very different um, and so he goes back there and then in the comic books all sorts of things happen he nearly gets married and he nearly lives there and he's a ronin type samurai and it's really really cool and really famous and um, when they said they were going to do this it was great and Darren Aronofsky was going to direct it and it was all going to be like this standalone really awesome film and um, it's not awesome but it's pretty good 
and um, it's better what, than what's Pacific Rim? Uh, it, I'd rather watch the Wolverine on my phone, if that makes any sense. Then I'd rather maybe watch they'll put Pacific that on the Rim. poster. Yeah, <laughs> Wheatland too would rather watch this on his phone. It's a better, it's a much better story, and they try something. The end is how is, long does the clock in? Is it like two and a half? No, it's about an hour. Forty something, so it's short. Another thing about Francis adds the golden time. It's about eighty six minutes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, the thing with the with the Wolverine, it loses itself at the end and has to go all super Hollywood and ruins everything that it had started off and um, gets a weird ending of uh, like meant to be this big reveal and you're like, really? But uh, before that, it's it's really good. We get all these fun uh, Japanese cliches of like a love hotel and. Wolverine can't Seems use like chopsticks. there's nobody else in it either. No, there's not. There's no other um, English-speaking, uh, native English-speaking yeah. people in it, except for in the first minute or two and until the inevitable, oh, by the way, we've given you money to make this film. You have to put this in this little ad for next year's uh, X-Men f- First Class 2 Days of Future Past clip, which is cool. I won't ruin it, but basically... I will ruin it, actually. It has... Uh, Professor X and Magneto, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen in an airport with Wolverine. And what's really confusing is that we're meant to be shocked because Professor X died at the end of X-Men 3. But that was seven years ago. So everyone has obviously forgotten that he died seven years ago because um, we've had two or three other films that he's popped up in. So it's meant to be the shocking. The surprise doesn't really work. The though. surprise doesn't work. And you have to be like, why is it surprising? But then you remember that. See, this film comes after X-Men 3. It's just a real anomaly. Like, it shouldn't really exist at all. Like, they just forgot that they'd already funded it. They're probably going to have to make a film to summarise the films that have come before. Yeah, yeah. But it does. It sets up next year's uh, X-Men brilliantly because it's going to be a time-travelling thing with both Magnetos and both Professor X's and Wolverine is in there and Storm and it's it's got Jennifer Lawrence and Brian Singer. So it's going to be busy. Uh, That's all I'll say. But it's out next July, I think. Um, anyway, did you have a movie moment for the month? Yeah, movie moment of the month comes from a field in England. It was the Ben Wheatley um, movie. That, <laughs> yeah, it's not a movie; it's a film. Yeah, for definite, you couldn't call it a movie. Uh, so he released it on many different formats. It was in the cinema. It was on TV. It was on Film Four pay per view download. And the scene I am going to talk about is when. Michael Smiley, who plays O'Neill, turns Reese uh, Shearsmith, who plays Whitehead, into a human uh, divining rod. So it comes onto the screen by hearing Reese scream for about a minute off camera. And then he emerges from the tent with a rope around him, going, he's totally out of it, just. Heading dazed. for water. Yeah. And uh, George, Michael Smiley's behind him directing him. It's really creepy and weird, but brilliant. It's slightly slow motion, as yeah. well, isn't it? Isn't it? Or and actually, there's no, it's pounding really music as well. It's at about, yeah, shot at about 120 frames a second with this mental music. Mm. It's in black and white and it's terrifying. Yeah. So we watched this on one of the home formats, um, but like with awesome sound yeah. and nice picture. And it actually was a fun experiment. And. Uh, 
I think without the sound it would sort of fail but uh, yeah I think you you liked um, I liked the weirdness more or just the general yeah thought. I was thinking I, I'd be hard pressed to so explain strange. what it's about yeah and that's my argument that but I'm like I can explain Pacific Rim but I can't fully explain nah. Field in England should you even be allowed to mention the two films in the one no but, it, it, but it was, by watching this clip earlier I just went and watched again the clip on YouTube I want to go see the film again so I'm going to try and hunt it down I think the lighthouse might still be showing it Mm. Um, because it's just that's the thing a good film is something you want to see again and again yeah and this does I wish I never saw Pacific Rim in the first place wish oh dear um, yeah because it your is your movie moment it no. is it is uh, my movie moment is from weirdly enough a film I saw with producer Colin um, uh, The Internship which came out at the beginning of the month and we just saw it last week it's mostly terrible but um, a Google ad I kind of enjoyed it. No, it, there wasn't actually really a moment. It's kind of the moment midway through or kind of near the end where I realized I'm kind of enjoying this. And everyone had said that the film was atrocious and everything. But it's like this really like weird, clever attempt. Not at all clever, actually subtle attempt to try and recapture stuff like Wedding Crashers. And like I said, old school and all this. Like all yeah. these guys are way older and if it should be really tired. And yet there's a couple of kind of heartfelt good American feel-good movie moments in it. Yeah, never pay to see the internship because that's the whole. That's it'd be much better if you just kind of see it for free on a plane. Yeah, that's kind of the goal. Brilliant. So your picks for the month are Pacific Rim and the Intern. Yeah, the internship. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, also Francis Ha is one of. Them. I should argue. We we'll agree on Francis Ha. I could write, you know, five thousand words of an academic discourse dissecting the film and what it says about youth and. Um, and everything like that but I find it a bit funnier to just focus on the really terribly reviewed films and actually find a bit of positivity but sure that's what we're all about right diversion okay so see you in part three So we're going to start part three with taking a look at Spike Lee and he has started a Kickstarter over in America and the Irish equivalent kind of is uh, funded. So he's looking for one million. For <laughs> oh, controversial. Uh, he's looking for one million two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to make a new film, which he's not really saying too much about. All he'll say is that it's a thriller. And that's why he's not saying any more, because he thinks less is more for a thriller. Yeah. So he's got 22 days left to go and he's raised three hundred and eighty thousand um, including 10 grand from Steven Steven Soderbergh, Soderbergh right? yeah and 10 grand is the most you can give um, and for that you get to go to dinner with him and courtside seats to a could New we York do, Knicks game could we do a fund it to get 10 grand to get 10 grand to to fund the kickstarter that'd be doable would it yeah I'm not sure people <laughs> would be really Colin would give us a grant anyway yeah wouldn't it true uh, so as part of this he's getting big into Kickstarter now and he's getting a fair bit of slack as everybody did because Scrubs guy Zach Braff did it they did it for the Veronica um, Gearn film really the Veronica <laughs> Mars uh, TV it, show it? Film? yeah for the TV show no for the film of the TV show okay right? oh yes they did yeah and so I, I have no problem with it I don't either but a lot of people are saying you know the point of Kickstarter and funded is for unestablished people to find a voice and find a place to get money that they wouldn't be able to source naturally and Spike Lee's kind of thing is I'm bringing a load of people to this I'm making a load of advertisement for it you know it might attract other people to it and 
And also, you know? why is it any different to like either going to your local farmer's market, spending a fiver on yeah. six eggs, or you also have that choice of going to Tesco to yeah. buy six eggs for one forty nine. Like it, it is. Com- and like no, you, you go, see, yeah, and you go f- see a band and you pay ten quid in. You're going to support them. Why not give them ten euro on their site? Exactly. So like it should be like anything in any free market where you can fund the big boys or you can you can look out for the small guys. You know. So I think it's I think it's really good for the self funding models that there is a bit of diversion in it. Yeah. So. And as part of his Kickstarter, he put up he's putting up these wee posts and stuff. Um, so he put up a list. I didn't know this, but he's a professor at the NYU graduate film school in New York. So he's been doing that for 15 years. And on the first day of his class, he always gives out a list of 86. What's wrong with 50 or 100? 86. Is he adding to them? Maybe. I thought possibly. Maybe start out with six. The six film he's directed. Yeah. Uh, that filmmakers need to have seen in order to make a great film. So we ran down through the list and I have seen 36 of the 86. So I still I still need to see 50. And Nigel has mm. seen... Yeah, you pitched this to me earlier today and I, I did a tally and I've seen 30. Ah. So you've beaten me on this one. But so. not by much. It's pretty poor. Yeah, so you can see the full list on... I, we saw the story, I think, on IndieWire, wasn't it? Yeah. And, but if you go Spike Lee list... or we, we, we put it on Twitter, I think. It's a standard enough list. Like, there's nothing that amazing about it yeah it's the typical kind of thing like with any of these where there's very little post like 2000 I think you know there's a few funny ones in there Um, I thought but uh, like District 9 made it in there yeah that's pretty cool that was one of the more contemporary ones Um, Apocalypto made me laugh Mel Gibson is it just like the the, the Hollywood kind of yeah. slight You thought outcast. I would hate Mel Gibson, but I don't, and I yeah, like his film. exactly, because, like, Spike Lee has pissed off a lot of people in that, and that's probably why he has I don't really like problems. him. He seems to just brag on all these other people's films and yeah. holds himself in quite high esteem. Yeah, like, he, p- he pulled apart Django Unchained uh, for what it said about race and slavery and everything, and then did... The, he clearly actually hates Tarantino, because he mm. did the same for Inglorious Bastards and, and said... That uh, what it said, you know, there were there were African Americans fighting in World War Two and f- making this out to be a single white Jew f- cause was completely wrong. Yeah. You know, so um, he, but then he makes he makes some films like he did um, a film last year set in New York that no one saw. It was, I can't remember what it was called. Oh, I saw Summer the poster in, for that. Summer yeah. in Red Hook or Two Days in yeah. New York or something. I wonder. I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, he hasn't really had a hit in a long time, and so like this, I guess a lot of his reputation is now hanging on what Old Boy does when it comes out, and yeah, even though he was attracted to that, it's kind of odd. <sighs> Who knows? Like remake? Why bother? Yeah, but he seems to have a lot of anger. Yeah, that's I think what I would say. One film that I was kind of drawn to that I'd never heard of was uh, Fat City that John Huston directed, so I'm gonna check that out. So, um, as always, we'll wrap up uh, with what we're looking forward to in the month of August. We'll do a full post on this uh, on uh, tomorrow, um, which we'll do for, uh, our, you know, as we, as we tend to do. with uh, Release for, schedules. And yeah, stuff. release schedule, and we'll show you what we've reviewed in the last month. I thought it was a pretty good month. Solid for month. But again, this sunshine, a bit of sunstroke, you know. Who knows why I was so excited about films like Pacific Rim and, yeah. <laughs> and The Wolverine. But... Uh, I did go actually I enjoyed being in Cineworld I missed uh, The World's End for a couple of days I think I was away so I saw it on the weekend morning and um, there was about maybe 10 people in there and around noon because it was in the middle of that hot weather and um, 
it was hilarious because you're like, yes, we are the hardcore ones. We should probably all go for dinner together because we're here and not in the sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I should also, uh, during that hot spell, I went to see Life's a Breeze, the Irish film I saw it last week. Um, it was okay. It was fun. I think I said um, that it was the kind of thing you'd love to watch with your grandparents, with your parents or something. It's a nice, happy Irish film. doesn't say a whole lot, really. There's a lot wrong with it, but it's also perfectly fine. But um, there were five of us in the cinema. What? This was on opening weekend to see a new big Irish film with two big bankable, marketable stars. So Pat Short and no Fiona one goes Flanagan. Really, do, no one does go to see Irish films. And this is what I mean about Pacific Rim. People are going to see Pacific Rim instead of this. No, this isn't a masterpiece. But a friend of mine rented out Good Vibrations. And when she left it back, it was like, oh, is that any good? And you're like, you're, you're in the DVD store. How do you not know that Good Vibrations oh, is Oh, it's better? Irish. Yeah. Oh, it's Irish. So there is really the stigma that, oh, this is Irish. It's terrible. Yeah. I'll go and watch, you know, Fast and Furious 15 instead. Um, I don't know. I it's think a I, challenge. The, yeah. good, the good Irish films aren't being seen because the thing with us is we're getting all of the Irish films, which includes a lot of crap yeah. because it doesn't get out. It doesn't get filtered out. So what is awesome about what we see from what comes from... Canada, France, Spain, Italy, Portugal is that the only, or Scandinavia that the really good films that get out of there get international releases are good, are, it's only the good ones that get out and yet we have to see everything and become the filter but it means for whatever reason Irish people aren't really very good at, and there's a whole broken thing with the industry, like you go to the to the IFTAs or whatever and it's rewarding films that people haven't really seen, that haven't come out yet and it's like this big club, but that's a rant that I probably shouldn't go on today because yep. um you know, uh, we saw Upstream Colour. We were lucky enough to see it at the Galway Film Fla. Um, you can read all our coverage on spool.ie. And it's going to be coming out in, I presume, the IFI in the Lighthouse in August. Definitely in the IFI. Mm. Uh, the 30, yeah, the th- I think the 30th of August or 23rd. Yeah. So it's from um, Shane Carruth, who people will know directed Primer in 2004. Had a lot of buzz about it, mainly because I think people didn't understand what it's about something to do with time travel but so it's, re- it's one of those seminal college things and I remember it blowing my mind but I, I, I probably would have been cool to go back and watch it and maybe th- that would be a thing yeah. that we could do before it comes out again but um, yeah so Shane Carruth it's his new film and he edited wrote it directed it produced it stars in it and he did the music for it so yeah he just doesn't like working with other people apparently it's taken him nine years to do this by the way yeah. that's why Amy uh, Seamitz plays Chris and it, it's a really bonkers film. Again, it's kind of along the lines of a field in England where you're hard-pressed to say what it's about, which clearly seems to be the type of film I like. Um, in this month. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that doesn't make sense, but... So it's... They're getting flowers from people and then worms grow from these flowers. Then they come and mug you and put these worms inside you, which kind of acts as a brain control thing. And they also hypnotise you at the same time fleece all your money and then when you come out of it you've no idea what's happened and you think you've gone insane and everyone else thinks you're insane because you start talking about all these stuff at the same time there's a guy who seems to be a pig farmer and these pigs are somehow connected to you as well and uh, yeah it's amazing in many ways it's fantastic you'd need to watch it about 15 times to figure out what it's about but you could watch it 15 times and take something different from it I think each time yeah, it's a re it's really challenging and yet uh brilliant. But the but, music in it is fantastic as well. Yeah, it's the, very trancey kinda. Yeah. The music never stops from the beginning to the yeah. end and so it just takes you on this dreamy thing and 
Yeah, it could be atrocious, but I I think it's brilliant. It's a thing you'll need to watch in the cinema, though. You can't. And going in the right frame of mind, don't go into it hungover. Don't be going in expecting, you know. If you want to turn your brain off, don't go see this film. But go see it in the cinema. Well, expand a, your mind a little bit. Yeah, it's well worth it. Would it be a good it. one if you'd taken some stimulants beforehand? Coffee, maybe, yeah, probably. Oh, very clean cut. Very clean cut. <laughs> um, Cool. Well, we'll wrap up uh, with... um. With a clip. Actually, before we... We're going to close with this clip. So do you want to maybe talk about your competition? So for the first time, we're going to run a competition. Uh, this month, we looked 10 years in the past. So next month, we're going to look 20 years in the past because Jurassic Park 3D is coming out. Well, it's the first film that they've turned into 3D. So that was... We all saw that when we were seven or eight years old. So what we want is your memories of Jurassic Park. You can email your answers or memories to contact at spool.ie and we're going to pick yeah. some of the highlights and then a random winner we'll will a win mug. a spool mug. Yeah, so just where you saw it, basically. We're giving away a mug. It's really simple. Yeah. All you got to do is tell us if you've ever seen Jurassic Park and where. This is where we discover we have three listeners. Oh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> anyway, we'll wrap up with uh, my pick for the month of August. Very excited about this one. I realised recently that Steve Coogan might be my favourite actor working today because he's brilliant. Anyway, so he has brought his character character he's been kind of playing for close to, I don't know, 17, 18 years at this stage, right? Um, Alan Partridge uh, to the big screen in Alpha Papa and uh, it's going to be brilliant. Here's a clip of him uh, ch- chatting to the police. It's brilliant. Have a good month. Uh, a little bit awkward. Who's in charge? Make no mistake, this lady is in charge. So here's the situation. Pat is refusing to speak to us directly. He's willing to give us three hostages but only if he can talk to us through you. Now we need to know why Pat has done this, so we can draw things to a peaceful conclusion. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll talk to him. Deal. I mean, sorry, one person. Yeah, oh, come here. Okay. Now, are you on any medication? Uh, just some cream. Uh, I've got very aggressive athlete's foot, but that's the only thing about me that is. And do you suffer from any nervous conditions such as panic attacks? <laughs> I look like I suffer from panic attacks. I've had one panic attack in a car wash. It was a perfect storm of no sleep, uh, no wife, and angry brushes whirring towards me. Um, by the time the giant hairdryer came on, I was in the footwell. Does the idea of weaponry trouble you? No, no, I've fired several rifles. I've fun fairs and won prizes, but I've never fired one in anger uh, or at a cat. Okay.